water you turned into wine open the eyes of the blind there's no Jesus, as your word says that, well, you said that if we lift you up, you will draw all men unto you, Lord, and that's our prayer today.
Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, kindness of a Savior.
Father, what more can we say? How better can we express ourselves? to praise the name of the Lord Jesus for he has overcome he has overcome and because he has overcome we too will overcome for greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world we exalt and lift up and magnify the mighty name of Jesus the name that deserves to be worshipped throughout the world. The name that will cause every knee to bow and every tongue to confess. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved. And so we do exalt and lift up the name of Jesus. For he did say, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. So our promotion is not of ourselves. We are promoting the Lord Jesus and that he overcame, that he was resurrected, and that he lives forever. And at this very moment is interceding for us. Father, if you are for us, who can possibly be against us? Thank you for all of those promises that you have made and that you will keep by your mighty right arm. We exalt you today. We worship you today. And it is our desire and our joy to give in to the ministry of your kingdom. And so we ask that you would take our tithes and offerings and gifts, bless them and use them so that the name of Jesus can be worshipped, not just here, but around the world. In his name we pray, amen. into the Word. Uh, number one, if you haven't
already received the word or received notification. Uh, you know, last week we had the, the joy of, uh, of hearing the testimony of that, that Kathy had been with her dad and had uh, had the opportunity to pray with him to receive Christ. Um, folks, I'm going to tell you something. That was, um, that was a biblical... That was an, a biblical situation. And I, the reason I say that is this. Yesterday afternoon at 6.20, he passed away. That's a thief on the cross situation right there. Um, it, just, it, it just emphasizes to us, never, never miss an opportunity to, uh, to share and to pray with someone. Um, we were, um, when I got the word from, from Tim, um, he had been moved from Blake Hospital to um, hospice here on Clark Road. And when I heard that, he was only there for four hours and, and, and passed away. And uh, so I met Tim and Kathy down there and uh, we were in the room, and there is, um, there's a shell of a man laying there. Just a shell. It's, it's what we see. The real part, the part that gives life, is, is gone. It's to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. And as we were standing there talking, I just said, you know, it doesn't matter if you know it's coming. When it comes, the finality of it, the finality of it just rocks your world. It rocks your world. Okay? There's, there's nothing to be done after that. And, and yet, and yet there is hope beyond hope that's what we rejoice about. We rejoice because there's hope beyond hope because, because of what Christ did. And we're going we're gonna, to, it's, it's amazing. I, I told Kathy and Tim last night as we were with them, I said, it, it's amazing. We'll, we talk about the finality of it, but then today we start chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, which is all about the resurrection. So be in prayer for Tim and Kathy as they go through the, the, the arrangements and things that have to be made now at this point. Um, just be in prayer for them as part of the family, okay? And the second thing uh, that I wanted to tell you I forgot to announce earlier is that Jan uh, on July the 19th, that's a Tuesday night, July 19th, Tuesday night, uh, we will be having a, a men's fellowship meeting, okay? Men's fellowship meeting. It will be held at Debbie and Keith's house at, uh, and I'm not sure about the time, probably 6.30. Uh, I'll get you the time uh, so that we have it for next week. Uh, I'll, I'll clear that and make sure. But uh, So gentlemen, please keep that date open. Uh, July 19th, Tuesday night, we will, we will have uh, time together as men. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have it that we can read it and that we can understand it. We understand it 
because you reveal it to us. So we ask for your Holy Spirit to reveal the word of God to us today. Help us grasp it. Help it find its way into our heart. And not just hear it, Father, but believe it and accept it and act on it and live by it. In Jesus' name, amen. (coughs) As we get into chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, there are there are two questions, there, are two, there is, a, there is a, a problem. And it comes by way of some of the things that the Corinthians were believing. Some of the Corinthians were believing. And it, 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 there's two different things, and we're going to answer them both. One this week, and the one the next time we're together. Okay? And here's what it is. Uh, the question was, uh, in chapter... 15 verses 12 and 13, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? That was the the, the problem. There were some who were saying there's no resurrection of the dead. Now, the resurrection is is the big hang-up and the big problem from the very beginning. From the moment that Jesus Jesus died on the cross and he was put into the grave. The problem of the resurrection reared its head. Because those who put him to death said, we have a problem. He said that he was going to rise again. He said that in three days he was going to rise again. Now what's going to happen is, his disciples, his followers, those people who were with him, they're going to come and they're going to steal his body and hide it somewhere else and then make the proclamation that he rose from the dead and our condition will be worse off than we were before. So they got a contingent of soldiers together, they sealed the tomb, and the soldiers guarded the tomb. We all know that didn't stop Jesus. Um, We know that he still rose from the dead, and then those who who tried to stop him from (laughs) from rising from the dead, they told the soldiers, well, you tell them that we fell asleep, and, uh, and, and while we were sleeping... They came and stole his body, and we'll cover you if you get in trouble, and everything will be okay. Gave him large sums of money, and everything was fine. The problem was is that Jesus started appearing to people. (laughs) He started to appear to people, and he appeared to his disciples, and then the disciples began to preach about the resurrection because the resurrection was such a powerful event that the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, that God raised him from the dead, was of such importance that it became the focus of what they preached about because the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead proved he was the Son of God, proved he was who he said he was, and that it was necessary for all to believe in him just as he said it was. And so the disciples began to preach the resurrection. You read the book of Acts. 
What did they tell him? What did the leaders tell him? They said, stop preaching about the resurrection. It makes us look bad. It makes us look like we crucified our Messiah. You did. Now, they didn't understand that that was all biblically prophesied. (laughs) He had to be the suffering Messiah before he is the conquering Messiah. Now, when he comes again, death will have no hold on him whatsoever. And when he comes again as the conquering Messiah, it'll be a whole different story. They began to preach about the resurrection of the dead. It was such an important part of their message. It was the most important part of the message. That's the first part. The first part is how can you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? We're going to address that today. The next time we're together, we're going to address this question. But some may ask, how are the dead raised With what kind of body will they come? That was a question that people had. The resurrection is what we're going to address today. Paul was talking to, he was in uh, Athens, and he was walking around and he saw this inscription that said, it was an altar, and the inscription on the altar said, to the unknown God. And he got into a discussion with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers who what they did was they sat around all day and they just talked about the latest ideas and thinking. And so he had an opportunity to talk with them. And he said, I see you're very religious people. Matter of fact, he said, you're covering yourself. You've got an altar over here that says to the unknown God. He said, I'm going to tell you about that unknown God. What's unknown to you is who I worship. And so he began to explain to him. And when he got to the part about the resurrection of the dead, the Bible says many of them sneered at him. Resurrection of the dead. Who ever heard of such a thing? Death is final. It's the end. That's all there is. But some of them wanted to hear more. And the Bible says that some of them became believers. Okay, let's begin. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 2. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. I want to remind you of that gospel. I want to to just let it run through your mind again one more time. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. If you start to wander around and start to believe other things, whether you subtract from this or you add to it, as the Galatians were, if you start to do those things, you have believed in vain. Here's what it is. You see... You see, here's what he said in Romans. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you will confess and are saved. What was the key here? The key here is to confess Jesus as Lord and to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Believing that God raised Jesus from the dead. If you can't believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, you can't be saved. You, you, understand, you understand how key the idea of the resurrection is. The resurrection of Jesus is the foundational cornerstone of the Christian faith. If you can't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, you can't be saved. He goes on and he says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Here's the Gospel. This is the Gospel Paul preached. He preached it everywhere he went. He didn't change the Gospel. He may have changed his method, but he never changed the Gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. And that He was raised on the third day. That's the Gospel. If you believe, if you confess with your heart, that, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you can be saved. Now we, we can't complicate that. <laughs> Well, I should, let me back that up. We can complicate it, but we should not complicate it. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is there more to be learned after that takes place? Of course. Is there discipleship that needs to take place? Of course. Is there growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Of course. But the first step is to accept this gospel, to say, this is what I, I'm, I'm willing to, to put my life on that. That Jesus died for our sins, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day. I will believe in my heart that God raised Him from the dead. Now, we've made a We've made a very, over, over time, okay, over time, since probably the, the mid-1800s or so, we've made a, a big deal about public confessions, okay? Um, public confession generally came in the, old, in the New Testament. Public confession came from being baptized. You were baptized in, in public. You... You said, I'm being baptized. This is what I'm doing. I'm, be I'm becoming a part of the... I'm being baptized into Christ. You don't, you don't have to come down front. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to do any of those things to believe that God raised Him from the dead. But you do have to believe. 
And then it, it, it helps. Here's, here's, here's what, I don't, want to mis, I don't want to misrepresent things here. I don't want to make things seem what they're not. But here's what happens. You see, the other part of that is, if you will confess with your mouth. That means you're going to say it out loud. It, it helps you, it doesn't matter what it is, when there's a truth of God's Word, it will always help you to speak that Word out loud and hear yourself say it. It will always help you to confess the truth of the Word of God out loud so that you hear yourself. I don't care what that is. When the enemy begins to bring doubts and and fear into your life, it helps to be able to confess it out loud and say, what did Jesus do? The devil came to Jesus and said, why don't you just stop being hungry and turn that rock into a piece of bread? Jesus didn't just think to himself. He didn't just think in his mind. What did he do? He spoke the word of God out loud so that the devil could hear it, but that he could hear it as well because he was being tempted. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And when he heard his own mouth say that, it reinforced his faith and it reinforced his stamina. I will continue to walk on. You don't have to come down front. You don't have to kneel at an altar in front of people. But you do have to confess out loud. You can do that with anyone. But you confess it out loud. And it becomes a reality in your heart. Jesus appears to Peter. And then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appears... And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me, Paul says, as one abnormally born, or one born out of time. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and this, his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach and this is what you believe. It doesn't matter who it was, it doesn't matter who I am, it doesn't matter where we came into the picture. The gospel is still the same. Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again. That's it. That's what we preached, that's what you believed, and that is what you have to continue to believe or you are believing in vain. You do not add to it. You do not subtract from that. But if it is preached, 
that Christ has been raised from the dead. This is the verse we had in the very beginning. How can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Now here's how serious that is. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Now, as I'm going through this this morning, I'm, I believe that I'm predominantly, the, the vast majority of you that are in the room today, I don't know, I don't know your heart. I, I'm just, I, I believe that you have a, a fairly good understanding of the truth of the resurrection, and if I were to ask you, I'm not going to, but if I were to ask you, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, probably the majority of you would raise your hands and say, yes, I believe in this. So it's not a question of, I'm not trying to convince you that Jesus rose from the dead. That's, that's not the point here. It, I'm not saying it's not important, I'm just saying who I'm talking to is, it's, not, it's not the point. But what I, what I want to get across to you is how important the resurrection is and the importance of the resurrection and how it impacts you. Because there's an impact that comes from this. There's, there are things that happen when we have the idea and the promise and the Belief that there is a resurrection. And you can't, you can't not believe in the resurrection of people if you can't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, he said, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified that God about God, that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. I'm, he's, I'm, I'm a liar. I mean, I've come into you and I have preached to you that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and you believed it and are now putting your faith in the fact that Jesus is raised from the dead. And if, he doesn't raise, if he's not raised, then I'm a liar. I've led you astray. He said, I'm, I'm a false witness. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. That's how important the resurrection is. That's how vital the resurrection is. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, here's what, here's what happened. <laughs> here's what happened if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. See, when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible says, the Bible says, there was, there was he, he was without sin. Okay? Now, we have to qualify that. We have to qualify that. See, if you just say Jesus was without sin when He went to the cross, that's a lie. He was without any sin of His own. 
He was without any sin of his own, but he didn't go to the cross without sin. He was carrying your sin in mind. The Bible says he bore our sins in his body on the cross. So he didn't go to the cross without sin. He went to the cross without his own sin. But he carried our sin on the cross. And God took out his punishment of sin on the body of Jesus. All the beatings, all the spitting, all the crown of thorns, the nails, the spear, the, all the, everything that, God, that Christ suffered in his body was God's punishment against sin. He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now, when God raised Him from the dead, it was proof that Jesus had gone to the cross without any of His own sin involved in our sins. Because if he had gone to the cross with any of his sin, then he simply would have paid for his own sin, and our sin would not have been paid for, and Jesus would have had to remain in the grave in order to continue to pay for his own sin. Do you follow me, what I'm saying? The very fact that God raised him from the dead proved he was sinless, and proved that he could pay for our sin. But, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You're living a lie. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Now, you think about the context of Paul writing this. Being a Christian in Corinth was not like being a Christian in America. We're celebrating the 4th of July. Now, I, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to make everything in this country look just perfect and beautiful, because it's not. But there aren't any armed patrol out front waiting for you to show up. Nobody harassed you on your way to church this morning. Nobody threatened you if you come here to worship God. In Paul's time, that was going on all the time. There was deep persecution going on. A lot of it from religious leaders because they were preaching about the resurrection. He said, if all I've got now and he talks about that in just a little bit. He says, all I've got now is the only hope I have in Christ, then I am of all men to be pitied the most. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through also through a man. We sang that song this morning, He has overcome. Jesus was the first fruits. Jesus proved that it was possible. Jesus showed us that God is powerful enough that He could raise Jesus from the dead. And I'm going to tell you something. God is powerful enough to raise all of us from the dead. And the Bible says that one day He's going to. One day the dead in Christ will rise. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Death came through one man, Adam. The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ the firstfruits, then when He comes, those who belong to Him. The two resurrections are closely tied, but they are separated by thousands of years. The two resurrections are closely tied, but they are separated by thousands of years. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago now makes it possible for the resurrection to take place in the future sometime. We don't know when. And then the end will come when He hands over the kingdom to God, the Father, after He has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For He must reign until He has put all His enemies under His feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. One day, the Bible says that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more death. For the old way of things has passed away and the new has come. I want to get to these, these next last few verses before we close. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that it does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. I think Paul just had to add that in because he thought somebody's going to get the idea that Christ is going to be over Christ is going to be over God because it says everything's under feet and everything means everything. And he just I, I can't let that go. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I die every day. I mean that, brothers, just as surely as I glory over you in Christ Jesus our Lord. He, says, he said, if there's no resurrection of the dead, why do I live like I do? Why do I endanger myself every day? Why do I put myself in harm's way? He said, I die every day. It means I face death every day. I face death every day. Because of what I'm preaching, because of what I'm teaching, I face death every day. Why would I do that? What is the purpose? What is the glory in that? 
he goes on, he says, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. If the dead are not raised, then we, it, it, it only goes, and it's in the natural progression, is that we will just be fatalistic about it. We will just say, hey, <laughs> let's just eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Wait a minute. Isn't that what a lot of people are already doing right now? Aren't there a lot of people around us that we know that are thinking about the fact that I've got to get all I can right now because there's nothing more after this? That's what Paul's saying here. He said, what's the point of doing all of that? What is it if the dead are not raised, then let's just eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Let's have a good time here in this life. Let's get all we can in this life. Let's, the guy with the most toys at the end wins. Let's just have a good time. Because this is all there is if the dead are not raised. Folks, I can... We see that all the time. We, as a matter of fact, one of the, one of the reasons that our nation is in the condition that it is in is because people do not believe in there being an afterlife. They, they only think about right now. That's why life is so cheap. That's why people look at life as, and, it's, and it's, it's, it's cheap. There's no, there's no concept. We're going to... Here's what I... I understand the pagans living like that. But what I don't understand is people who say they're followers of Christ living like that. See? The fact that there is, that the dead are raised, The fact that the dead are raised brings a whole brings a whole new situation that we have to look at for listen here's what it says. Here's what the word says. We shall all stand before God and give an account. We shall all stand before God and give an account. Now, you see, 
the, the, the idea here that there is a resurrection, if you don't, see, the, the Bible says that there, the, the res, everybody, everybody's going to be resurrected. It, 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 this, isn't, this isn't a question of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die in the Lord, and I'm, I'm the only one who's going to be resurrected, and everybody else that didn't die in the Lord isn't going to be resurrected. Hey, we're all going to be resurrected. Everybody gets resurrected. It doesn't matter whether you died in the Lord or whether you didn't, you're still going to get resurrected. The question is, when you stand before God and you have to give an account, what is going to be the result of that account? What are you going to hear God say to you after you give an account? And he's got the books open and he's got it all right there in front of him. And you're going to say, well, wait a minute, uh, I, didn't, I didn't do that. It's right here in the book. It's right here in the book. And we will hear, folks, I don't, I don't care what you say. You don't ever make light of this, but I don't care what you say. You're, you're going to hear one of two things. You're going to hear one of two phrases. That's it. One, or, one of two. One of them will be, well done, <laughs> well done, good and faithful servant. You did good. You did good. Well done. Come on in and enter into the joy of your reward. Or, you will hear, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And folks, I gotta tell you something. You want to talk about finality? There is no appeal. There isn't. You have already stood before the Supreme Court, and there is no appeal. And people will ask the question, how could a loving God, how could a loving God send someone to eternal punishment and eternal damnation and eternal fire? How could a loving God do that? That's the wrong question. If you ask the wrong question, you will always get the wrong answer. Okay? The right question is, why would anyone choose eternal damnation over a loving God? That's the question. So Christians... Let us live like there is an afterlife. Let us behave ourselves like one day we're going to stand before God and give an account. Because we are. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, for your mercy and grace we thank you. 
For it is by your grace that we are saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. So that we can't boast. There is no boasting in our salvation. The only thing that we can possibly boast about is the cross of Jesus Christ. Father, we just, we look at the cross and we are amazed that you would willingly hang there and suffer for our sins. Father, we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our heart that, God, that you raised him from the dead. You raised him from the dead. And the power that you used to raise him from the dead is the same power that now resides in us by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. I pray for each and every person in this room. I pray, Lord, that they have, they have indeed confessed with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And they believe in their heart that God raised them from the dead. Just as an aside here, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. This is not going to be a public thing. You're, you're, you're not looking around. But you're here this morning, and you heard this message, and the Spirit of God spoke to your heart. And for the first time in your life, you confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says that you are saved. If that is the case, would you just lift your hand where you are right now? Just lift your hand. Amen. 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 Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the hands that went up. And I just thank you and praise you for your mercy and your grace. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pray together. And I'd like you to pray this prayer in your heart. You can pray it out loud if you'd like. If you've prayed this prayer before, it won't hurt you to do it again. It never hurts to do anything again when it comes to the kingdom of God. Let's just pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he did on the cross. I believe that Jesus is God. And Father, I believe that you raised him from the dead. At this moment, please forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and life. Make me one of your children. Thank you for saving me, Father. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray for each and every one that prayed that prayer from their heart, whether it was for the first time or whether it was the second or third time they've ever done that. For those who've done it before, it was just an affirmation of faith. I know they didn't get saved all over again. But it's always good to have our faith affirmed by the words that come out of our mouth. And now, Father, I just thank you and praise you for our time together today. And before we go, I just want to pray for the ministries of this church that are, that are so important to us. I want to pray for the prison ministry or pray for Brother Art and as he's traveling and and on this uh, ministry trip, I just pray for his protection. May the anointing of the Spirit of God rest upon him, Lord. And I just pray that, that uh, many, many souls will find their way into the kingdom uh, as he speaks and preaches throughout the country. We pray for Love Serves, and we thank you for the ministry that, of theirs in the Dominican Republic. We pray for the upcoming mission trip, Lord, that... Some of us are going to be going on and we just pray that there will be opportunities to just be your people to others. To minister, to love on, to care for. Lord, may it be a, a, a time of, uh, of, of real ministry. We pray for the Transitional Center, Lord. We continue to pray that not a single girl would ever leave that place without knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Thank you. We pray for our missionaries, for Todd and Shelley Marks and for Chris Garris. They've left their homes and their friends and their families because they believe that others around the world deserve to hear about the resurrection of Jesus. And we know that they face obstacles, Lord, and they, they face superstition and they they face traditions that are, are opposed to that. But by the power of your spirit, Lord, I pray that they will be able to invade the land with the gospel. And we thank you for our daycare and our summer camp and, and uh, the upcoming VBS, Lord. We just thank you for the opportunity of putting into the lives of little children the truth of this gospel. Sometimes it's just planting seeds. But those seeds germinate and they grow. And we just pray, Lord, for as that seed grows, that those children will come to a place where they too will receive Christ. Thank you. Take us from this place, Lord, today, and as we go through our work week, may the world see Jesus in us at every turn. Lord, it is in your name we pray. Amen.